Now, let me say good morning to each and every one of us. Thank you so much. I, 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 I'm very happy. I'm excited being in your midst. Having stayed away four years without a visit. Um, I have missed you. I don't know if you ever missed me. <laughs> yeah, four years of being away from you. Um, uh, it has not been deliberate. It's just that we struggle to come, but it just doesn't work. You remember that my being here was for studies specific. I came as a student. And on my visa, if I must come to the U.S. until last Saturday, or Saturday before last, I must come because Trinity needed me. And so it wasn't just easy to just come in and out of U.S. based on that visa. It has Trinity School for Ministry attached to it. So if I must come into the U.S. within those four years, it must have been that I had something to do with the school. If not, they won't let me in ordinarily. I may be violating some laws of the land. And uh, that will mean I will never come back to the States if I violate the laws of the United States government. Well, so, but it's nice to be here again. I love it being here. Um, I have struggles, though, <laughs> with what I eat, but it's all right. It's part of it. When you, are not, when you have stayed away too long from home, such things will always happen. Uh, I want to thank you equally for sending a very powerful delegation, a family delegation, to be with me at Trinity on the 14th of um, this month while I was graduating um, from the program that had brought me into the U.S. It was a very powerful delegation. I looked forward to seeing them, and I was wondering where they were until suddenly I, I spotted June, you know, picking the photos. And um, I said, okay, yes, my people are here. I, I believe that they were here. And I want to thank you sincerely for sending them in to represent you. Well. It's Isaiah I want to talk to all of us, including myself, from Isaiah chapter 6, and it's the whole of that chapter. We have had the reading up to verse 7. Um, may I read from verse, verses 8 to 13? Verse Isaiah chapter 6 from verses 8 to 13. We have had Verse number 1 to 7. All right, verses 1 to 7 have been read to us very beautifully. So, all the readings have been good, and uh, including the Psalms. They are related. Gives us a picture of heaven. Gives us a picture of God sitting on his throne. And it tells of the glory that fills heaven to earth when the eyes of Isaiah was opened to see God. Now, so, from verse number 8, it says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? 
Then I said, here am I. Send me. And he said, go. And say to his people, to, to this people, keep on hearing, but not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie west, without inhabitants and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, or removes the people, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burnt again, like a terebinth, or an oak whose stump remains when it fell, or when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. The holy seed is its stump. I speak to us this morning on the topic we all need a life called touch. We all need a life called touch. Life call, C-O-A-L. We all need a what? Life call touch. Could we see that? Could we say that congregation? We all need what? A life call touch. We all need a life call touch. And to go through this passage, we have the following subtopics or subheadings. Number one. Only the consecrated connects with heaven. From verse number one to four. Only the consecrated connects with where? With heaven. Only the consecrated connects with heaven. Number two, to honor God, your lips need consecration. To honor God, your lips need consecration. That you may honor God, that I may honor God. Our lips need what? Consecration. That is from verses 5 to 8. And then number 3 is, Only the cleanse runs God's errands. Only the cleansed, only the cleansed runs what? God's errands. Only the cleanse runs God's errands. This chapter of Isaiah is said to be one of the most important in the history of revelations. The great words of the chapter are spoken of in a vision, but they cannot be called visionary in a shallow sense, in a shallow sense of it. They are intensely practical. They contain the prophet's word. 
they give the keynote of his life and sum up in a few striking sentences the spirit and purpose of his ministry. The vision shows us how Isaiah became a prophet and as well gives the secret of his strong, consistent career in the world. Mine eyes have seen the king. Mine eyes have seen the king. What do you do when you see the king? How privileged are you when you see the king? Do you have a king in, in America? Do you have any king? We know that England has a queen. And how many people see the queen on a regular basis? Is she just placed in the public square where everyone goes to see her? It's not everyone that has access to the queen. So when you see the king, you are a privileged lord. You are a privileged person when you have the opportunity to see the king. And Isaiah had the privilege to see what? To see who? To see the king. This chapter has received many sermon titles. The most popular is the making of a prophet, which is suggested to, to be enlarged. And the enlargement will take us to the making of our missionary. The making of who? A missionary. It is popularly known as the making of prophet, but we want to enlarge it to give it a new title. And what's that new title? The making of our prophet. I mean of a missionary. The making of our missionary. How many of us want to be missionaries? Yeah, how many of us? Let's be honest. How many of us sincerely want to go on mission? You fear a lot. Americans fear a lot. You think America is the safest place in the world. That's not true. We have always watched on the television where some, an individual will pick a gun to kill people who didn't do nothing to them. Is it not happening in America? America is not the safest place in the world. Nigeria is a dangerous place, yes. And it was all over your internet, you know, your, your Department of State Security. Is, it, is that right? You know, came up with emails and everything on the internet to discourage you from going to Nigeria. It tagged Nigeria as one of the most dangerous countries in the world. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of danger in Nigeria, but it's not as the news, you know, makes it look. Yeah, we have gone through very difficult times. That's true. Boko Haram has dealt with us very badly. The Fulani, instead, I mean, the Fulani militias have dealt with us very badly. Yet, there are souls in Nigeria that are passionate about mission. People who are willing, and in fact, the Diocese of Bukuru is a missionary diocese. It goes on mission. Locally, within our diocese, we go on mission. We still are missionaries, and we go on mission. All right? So the making of a missionary. This implies anyone who will be available to be sent of God for any godly purpose. That's who a missionary is. Anyone sent by God on godly purposes, on, on godly mission, is a missionary. Now, so we have the story beginning by telling us that in the day, all right, it, it's, I mean, chapter 6, verse 1 began by, or begins by saying, 
in the, in the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This tallies with revelations where we read. All right? It gives us a picture of a heavenly throne where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is seated. Uzziah was a king, and Uzziah was a powerful king. One of the longest, you know, reigning kings in Israel. He reigned for 42 years. And he did great things in Judah. He did great things in, in Judah. You know, so much was achieved in his reign, in his days, that um, it got to a point in the course of his life that his head got swollen up. He got piled up. He became so proud, full of himself. Before now, he would listen to a prophet. Zachariah was there, instructing him in the things of the Lord. And he listened very ardently to every single instruction Zachariah gave him. And so the kingdom prospered under him. There was a lot of good for the people. A lot of good coming for the kingdom. But the man got to a point that popularity got off his head. Influence became all that mattered to him. Affluence made him feel, oh, there's no one like me. So what did he do? He went into the temple and started burning incense. When the priest confronted him, he was angry. He was mad at them. And what happened at the end of the day? The law confronted him. The Lord fought for the priest. Uzziah became leprous instantly. So what happened? In a Jewish context, you know, the moment someone becomes a lap leper, he does not belong to human community any longer. He goes into isolation. He loses his place. Even with his family, none of the members of his family will have anything to do with him any longer. So, the king got to be isolated from the throne. He was thrown out. His place now began, I mean, it belonged to some place. Some place that no one would want to reach, no one would want to go to him. He became a loner from being a man of the people. The most terrible part of it to me is the fact that he lost fellowship with God. This is a man who had benefited so much from God. And now at this point, he wouldn't have, God will not relate to him any longer. All of the very important tips that had helped his kingdom are no more there again. All of the pride of place he has hitherto occupied in the kingdom is no more there. He lost everything. And that seems to be talking to us human beings today. A lot of us live in a situation 
where we feel low, it's about how rich I am. It's about how wealthy I am. It's about how powerful I am. It's about how, you know, influential I am. It's about how connected I am to the world. Brothers and sisters, heaven has, the best connection you will ever have is a connection with heaven. Any earthly connection is ephemeral. It has lifespan, it's time, it's time bound. It will be over too soon than you would know. So if we must be connected, let's be connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's be connected to Jesus Christ who lives enthroned forever and ever. That should be our connection. Every connection, you may be connected to a disappointment that awaits you and could be so devastating on you at the end of the day. Just picture a situation where, you know, uh, you are connected to one powerful man somewhere and your hope is all on that man. And suddenly, the man, God takes the man away. Not that he disappoints you literally, but God takes him away. What becomes of your connection? It's finished. So why not be connected to the one who cannot be taken away? The one who is from everlasting to everlasting. While Uzziah remained connected to this king of kings, it was all well with him. There was nothing wrong with him. It, you know, life flowed on for him very smoothly. He had no problems at all. By the moment he got disconnected, things turned sore. Things turned bad. Things turned terrible. He became estranged. And you know what? What disconnected him from God? Pride. It was pride. Pride will never do without sin. When you are a very proud person, the chances for you to sin are always 101. They are 101 in number. Because you feel there's no one like you around the place. And sometimes you sin with gullibility. Yet you can be very, you know, the rich and powerful in society who are godless can be very gullible about sin. Godless, rich and poor, I mean a rich and powerful uh, can be terrible. They are the ones who could tell you that, in our, you know, context, I will kill you and pay for it. I will kill you and pay for it. Because they are rich and powerful. Now, so Uzziah was one of the longest serving and the most prosperous kings of Judah. Serving for 45, 42 years. Making monumental achievements. For as far as Zachariah gave him spiritual oversight. Who gives you spiritual oversight right now, brothers? Do you have someone? Who is a mentor to you spiritually? Zachariah was key to this man's success. He was key to his righteous living. He was key to his rise, you know, in popularity and power. Because he gave him godly counsel consistently. The moment he refused that, that was the end of it. When you reject Jesus, when you reject you know, godly people, you will go for worldly people. When you reject Jesus, you will align with Satan at the end of the day. Those are the chances for us, generally. Once you see someone beginning to drop their feet from their relationship with the church and with their relationship with Jesus Christ, 
I tell you, some connection is already being made with the devil somewhere. I assure you, that, that, that's a typical human tendency. Else, what will, if you are flowing and flourishing in a wonderful relationship with your wife and with your husband, for example, and suddenly one begins to drag their feet, some Satan has hooked them somewhere. Some Satan, somewhere, is trying to take advantage of them. So also it is in your relationship with God. Your relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. When you begin to drag your feet, Satan is beginning to take advantage of you in some way. In some way. What did Zachariah do? I mean, what did um, um, uh, Isaiah do? Isaiah tells us that it was when King Uzziah died. Some King Uzziah needs to die in somebody's life so that they can see the glory of heaven. Who is the King Uzziah in your life? Who is that King Uzziah? There, must, there may be some King Uzziah in my life, in your life, in our lives. Who is that King Uzziah that must die? That thing that blocks you from seeing the glory of God. The glory of heaven, the splendor of the King of Kings. What is that thing? That might be the King Uzziah in your life. And that King Uzziah needs to die. For you to be connected to heaven, the Uzziah in your life must give way. Wherever it is, whatever it may be, it may be wealth, it may be status, it may be position, it may be just some flesh drive, you know, some flesh that is trying to take advantage of you. That needs to die. It must die. In the year King Uzziah died was when heaven was opened to who? To Isaiah. And when heaven got opened to Isaiah, what did Isaiah see? He saw three things very quickly. Number one is that he saw God in his glory. Number two is that he saw the filthiness of himself, a man of unclean lips, and the filth of his own people. Living amongst a people of what? Unclean lips. And number three is that he quickly saw God inviting him to go on mission. God invited him to go on mission. The end of the reign of Uzziah, it will seem, got to be like a thick, dark cloud between the people's worship, the people's worship life and God. Once there was a rift between the king and the priests, then the people, the worshippers, were thrown into a confusion, as there is always a divided loyalty. Yes, where you have a king and where you have the priests, there will always be a divided loyalty. Some will be loyal to the king, some will be loyal to the priests. All right? Now, possibly you have an Uzziah in your life that hinders your loyalty to this priest, this priest sitting here today. Oh, that we, who are the priests, have some Uzziah in our life that hinders our loyalty to Jesus Christ, the high priest, the priest of priests. And so, we are compromising every now and then. Rather than standing for the truth and standing with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, we are beginning to sympathize with the ways of the world, compromising our position in the Lord. Until that Uzziah dies in my life and dies in the life of these people and dies in everybody's life, heaven will remain 
blocked from us. We will be eluded from heaven. We will never see the glory of heaven. You want to experience God as he is, then don't let an Uzea have a place in your heart. Kick out every Uzea in your life. Let them go their way. Let them find their level. Let them depart from you. Then you can live for the Lord and you will see the glory of the Lord. All right? Now, so, no wonder, access to God and vision received was impeded until soon after King Uzziah died. Soon after his death, Isaiah received floods of vision. He received a vision of God. He saw God seated on his throne and in his glory. His glory filled the heavenly throne and equally filled the earth. He received a vision of his state, and the state of his people have filled the people people of unclean lips. Finally, he received a vision of an urgent call, call to duty, to go and tell. Go and tell. Mission is about going out to tell. This is a missional calling. And he quickly grabs the opportunity. Interestingly, Isaiah did not see himself clean and any better than his own people. But God found him fit to reveal himself to him. And by reason of this, or his availability, God appointed him the messenger to his people. The big question today is, what agenda was Uzziah pushing when he now abandoned righteousness for wickedness? What agenda was he pushing? All right? And what agenda are the kings of today? What agenda are the presidents of today? What agenda are the prime ministers of today? What agenda are the chancellors of our world today pushing forward? Is it not all about evil a good number of times? It was Obama and David Cameron, also one of the prime ministers in, in England, who decided who, who was so pro-gay and have become advocates of gay. And they said they were going around the world to impose gay thing on people. In fact, in our context, they came to Nigeria and said, unless we allow people to practice gay, there will be no AIDS for us. And the government of Nigeria refused. Today, if you are caught in any gay relationship in Nigeria, the sentence is 14 years jail. You are going to be in jail for 14 years. That's what's happening in Nigeria today. It's a law passed already, signed by the president, the, the past president of Nigeria. You'll be in jail 14 years. How could you be a leader of the people and pushing evil all over the place? Pushing an agenda for evil. Pushing an agenda for destruction of lives. Pushing an agenda that is of no eternal value. Everything carnal. What agenda are the rich and powerful in our world today pushing? What are they championing? What is the compromise the church today is standing for? Are we not compromising certain things? Is that not why the church is so fragile today? Compromising standards, compromising godly position, compromising the scriptures. That's what we are going through today. The church is compromising that. You know my joy? 
my joy, I am excited with this congregation because I said it and I want to say it again. There are young people here, and that gives us hope. If they hold on to the truth of the gospel, the church will never die. Christ's church will live on. Amen? Christ's church well sure will live on. If the young people hold on to the Bible tenaciously, this church will live on. So it's, it's a cause for joy for me to see young people in this congregation. It's very, it's, it's exciting. I have been to Pittsburgh, so many churches, and hardly would I see young people in such congregations. They're not there. So we ask the question, where are the young people? What did the parents tell the young people that had stopped them from coming to church? What models did we give them? How did we discourage them from coming to church? Because the church, church is much more than coming to sun, on Sunday to worship in the, I mean, with other people. Church, real church is in the home. Real church is in the home. You want to see a church that is living, see a home that is living for Christ. Yeah. You want to see a home, you know, a real church that is living, watch out. See a church, I mean a home that is living for Christ, and you will know that it's a living church. After now, everyone go back to their home. And whatever happens after now, it depends on the kind of atmosphere we create in the home. All right? Our world today is so deprived that the sense of godliness has almost been totally wrapped off its mind. Almost every heart and every lip has become the thrush can and the exhaust pipe for every form of evil and sinful choice. Like Isaiah, and the Jews of his time, we are no more fit to call upon the Lord. We all need a call touch, a live call touch. We all need a live call touch. We need a host of tank, call carrying flying seraphs to invade our wall, to, to, to embark on the, a massive cleansing of our hearts and our lips. We do need that in our world today. We need. Jesus to come and touch our lips. He is the best of seraphs. He is the seraph of all seraphs. Until Jesus touches your heart and touches my heart and touches our lips, we remain a people of unclean lips and of messed up hearts. People who are in dire need of intervention on our situation, spiritual step, so that we can be better than we should be. I have told my children, those that believe and those that don't believe, I Following Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ has not harmed me in any way. It has not harmed me. It has made me who I am today. And I stand bold to challenge anyone who would identify one single harm that believing in Jesus Christ has caused them. Let them point it out. Then I will repent before them. If they convince me with that, then I will, I will say sorry to them. Brothers and sisters, Isaiah was in the midst of these people. God revealed to him that he was a man of unclean lips. And he told him that he was living in the midst of people unclean lips. All of us are like that. We sin every day, me inclusive. We are sinners. And we need a daily touch of this live tongue, not a dead tongue. 
all right? Dead call, rather. Of a live call, not of a dead call. We need this touch. Every day of our lives, we need it. For as long as you and I recycle within sin, we need a daily cleansing. We need a daily touch. We need a daily wash. We need a daily renewal, revival of our lives. And Jesus is willing to do that. Jesus is willing to do that. When you connect with him, he will always tell you that, son, daughter, this one in you does not need to be there. This one, yes. That one, no. Just get connected to the Lord, and it shall be well with you. The Lord knows every one of us from inside out. None of us is not known to him. He knows us by name, and he knows us by our intentions and our activities. Isaiah was one of the men of unclean lips of Judah. All of them carried the, the same identity externally like we do here. Everyone here seems to be a Christian, right? We all carry the same identity. Everyone coming to see us here would say, oh, these are people of faith, these are Christians. But God knows each one of us so well from inside out. Now when he says, John, you have this sin in you, that is exactly who I am. God will never tell lies about me. He will never point to me around. When he says, you, yeah, good boy, you've done well, or good girl, you've done well. That is it. You've done wrong. I have done wrong. Simply, if God judges me, he is perfect about judging me. And you know what? His Holy Spirit speaks to you and I every now and then. He tells us who we are. And you will do well to listen to him. You will do well to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you and tells you exactly what your step is. You do well to listen to him. Nigeria has gone through a lot of difficult times. Times that are discouraging. Times that are sincerely, thoroughly weighing. Times that would say, look, I mean, is, this, is, is following Christ worth it any longer? But we have not given up on Christ. We still believe in this Christ. We believe in him as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We believe in him as our Savior. We believe in him as the one who will come to take us home someday. This home, whether I love it or not, the earthly home, whether we are in mad love with it or we are in whatever kind of love with it, brothers and sisters, it's a matter of time, and you and I are no more. No matter how long we live, we will go someday. But where are you going? When you leave this one, where will you go? Where? I, don't, I think it will be unthinkable for you to imagine that there's no other home elsewhere. That will not be true. That will be a wild imagination that is baseless and will only kill you in this life and kill you eternally. The Lord is interested in your life. He is a God who wants you saved. He's a God who looks at you and says, you need a cleansing. He looks at me and he says to me, you need a cleansing. He looks at each one of us, especially those of us who are ready to be cleansed. And he will cleanse us. He will clean you and I. He will wash us neat. He will create us new again. Give us a new heart. Give us new lips to honor him. You know, Isaiah saw the glory of God. 
And he saw it in the splendor of it, feeling heaven and earth. He had his sin and the sin of his people revealed to him. And what did Isaiah do? He confessed both of, for both of them. He confessed for himself and confessed for his people. I saw an urgently waiting duty. And he saw an urgently waiting duty and he, interv he really gave his life to it completely. There are many assignments that are made that maybe Jean will give you, Sean may give you, Bob may give you. Are you willing to take those assignments? Will you go on the simple errands God is leading your pastor to give you or priest to assign to you? Will you go on those errands? Are you willing to go? Will you be available to go? Will you really go? They may not ask you to come to Nigeria, a dangerous place in the world. <laughs> but they may ask you to go to some corner of Cleveland. All right? Some corner of Bay Village, just to reach out to somebody out there. Will you be willing to go? Will you take up the assignment? Will you do it? The Lord is willing that you and I have our lips touched so that we can be holy and a people that do not just throw out cast but bless people, bless lives, okay? When you encounter God in Jesus Christ, in his glory and splendor, how do you react? How do you really react to that? Are we careful to place our lives in retrospect before the before we utter anything, do we worship the Lord in penitence? Isaiah, citing the Lord's glory, reacted by saying, Woe is me. What did he say? Woe is me. How many of us have ever said that about our lives? Woe is me. When the Lord opens your life to you, the way it is exactly. Have you ever said a woe when you see the kind of debts that are in you? Have you ever pronounced a woe? All right? It's, it's very rare that we do that. But that's Isaiah's reaction. He looked at himself and said, I'm an woe bear. You know, you know what led to um, Isaiah's fall is that he felt at that point that he was now so worthy. He got to the point in his life when he felt, I am so worthy. So I don't need God. And that appears to be the disease of the world, and particularly America. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that America is a great country. Sincerely, great things have emanated from America. Great things have had their souls from America. Wonderful things around the world. Things that have gone to touch the world positively, touch the world in a very unusual manner. You know, but, but very terrible things have emanated from America, too. My friend in Alabama asked me, he said to me, if you were to preach to Americans, what, what passage of the scripture will you use? And I said to him, I am going to use Genesis 18 and 19. What is Genesis 18 and 19? Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, it's about Sodom and Gomorrah. Why, why did you, why would you choose that? He asked me. I said to him, yes, like I just painted the picture to you a while ago. The truth is that America is a great nation, but America now seems to be in the forefront of inventing every new evil. That's the truth. 
from gear, the church, you know, um, 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 sealing or kind of sanctioning gear thing publicly when Gene Robinson was consecrated bishop. How could you, a church leader, be consecrated for the wrong? And then you have a, a transgender thing emanating today and some other issues coming up. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is interested in your lives and my life. Are you know the only people that can make the difference? This seed, Jesus Christ, that righteous seed in you and I. That is the last sentence in this passage. That seed, the holy seed, shall be the stamp. When Jesus, the holy seed, remains the stamp in your life, you are an undying person. You are a person who will live beyond this life and into eternity. He will live on in you. He will not be stamped out. He will always only be stamped into your life. That is what this is telling us. God is willing to prompt everything good to happen in your life. He is willing to make Jesus come to touch you, to touch me, to touch all of us every day. He wants to make a difference about our life. And you know what? We can only represent God. We can only go on God's errands when we are consecrated. We can run his errands when we are set apart. We can run his errands when we are indeed a people who are totally sold to his purpose. Immediately after his lips were touched with life call and his guilt taken away, and sins are torn for. Then comes the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah has, you know, seen the Lord's glory. Isaiah has seen and admitted his guilt. And Isaiah had seen and admitted the worth and worthiness of himself and his people. Isaiah's guilt, Isaiah's guilt has now been taken away. And his sin atoned for. What can be greater than that in your life and my life? That we ad admit our sinfulness and God immediately takes it away. He takes away. In fact, Jesus is willing to do that instantly. You know, the trouble we run through most times is that we don't ever forgive ourselves. And when, you, when God forgives you and you don't forgive yourself, you will remain guilty forever. You remain, you know, under the bondage of sin perpetually. Not because God hasn't forgiven you, but that he has forgiven you, but you have refused to forgive yourself. So it takes God forgiving you and you admitting forgiveness. Then you are set at liberty to live for him, to serve him, to, you know, do his errands. Any day, any time, anywhere. Isaiah went, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Whom shall I send? Here am I, send me. Yes. It's one thing for God to consecrate you. It's another thing for you to be available to do his errands. Do you know that God could consecrate you and yet you refuse to go on with his errands? Is that possible? Yes. What about Jonah? Was Jonah a vassal met by God to serve him? Yes, he was. Did God, when did God send Jonah? 
Did he go in the first instance? Jonah refused to go. So God could consecrate you and I, yet we refuse to go on his errands. He sends us this way and we go a different direction altogether. Doing what we feel is better than God's assignment. I pray that God will touch you and I today with a life call in Jesus' name. That Jesus will reach out to your lips and my heart and your heart and touch us to cleanse us. That he will find you and I a people that sincerely are are deserving of his um, intervention for a renewal of our lives and that he does renew your life and my life by a life call. No one can touch you better than Jesus will touch you. Nobody, nothing else can touch you better than Jesus would. Did he touch a limb and he walked away? Did Jesus touch a paralytic and he got up on his feet and took his mud and go away? Did Jesus touch a leper and the leper got cleansed? Did Jesus touch a dead and the dead was brought back to life? Did he touch? If he touches you and I, dead in our sins today, we will come on life, dear people of God. He will inject a new life in you and I, dead in sin, paralyzed in every way. People who are indeed lame and blind because of sinfulness. When Jesus touches your life and touches my life today, things will never be the same again. We will be a new creation. Because the scripture tells us, because... Everyone who is in Christ Jesus is a who? It's a new creation. And behold, what? The old is gone and the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the Lord, the Lord will touch you and I every day. Pray for his touch every day. Long for it every day. Pray for it every day. Fast for it every day. Hunger for it every day. Thirst for it every day. And he will never deny you such a touch. Let us pray together. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear you speak to us. And should there be anything about my life and about the life of anyone seated in this sanctuary this morning, Lord, that needs a touch, a life called touch, Father, will you touch? Just touch, Lord. That's our prayer. Touch us, Lord. Touch us once, one more time. Touch us one more time. Touch us one more time, oh Lord. Touch us one more time. And take away every sin in our life, every infirmity in our life, every atrocity about our life. Father, touch us again and make us a new people. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. And daily, Lord, may we experience your touch. Daily, Father, when it doesn't come on us, Lord, cause us to cry for it. Cause us to weep for it. Cause us, Lord, to be restless about it. Answer our prayers. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now, as those who have been touched with the love of Christ, stand. <laughs> Confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. 